Welcome to this edition of the Bears Den podcast. I'm Matt Bear. It's state tournament time here in Minnesota. We made it. Some thought we might not, but for the first time since 2019, it looks like we will crown a state basketball champion in all four classes. I invited Grant McGinnis from Prep Girls Hoops Minnesota, who covers girls high school basketball in this state, to join me to chat about the final four teams in each class of the state tournament, and he also gives us his prediction of who he thinks will win it all. But first, let's give a shout out to our two sponsors. First, it's Midwest Basketball Training. Pat Freeman and his team do a great job working with youth basketball players in the metro area, and you should check out their website at midwestbasketballtraining.com for more information on their new facility and youth and player development opportunities. Speaking of training, Steve Brown is someone who was heavily involved in basketball training when I worked with him at the Timberwolves, but now he should be your go-to guy in the clutch for buying or selling a home. The South Dakota State Hall of Famer is a proven winner and his ability to deliver on-time effective results greatly benefits the first-time home buyer as well as those looking to purchase their next dream home. Coldwell Banker Realty and Steve Brown are your trusted guide. Contact him today to start the process via email at stephen.brown at cbrealty.com. That's stephen.brown at cbrealty.com. Now let's head into the Bears Den for this Minnesota Girls State Basketball Preview with Grant McGinnis. Today I'm joined by Grant McGinnis, who is a a former sports writer and broadcaster and and now covers Minnesota Girls High School Basketball for Prep Girls Hoops and has done so for the past five years. And we're going to walk through the Girls State Basketball Tournament here for Minnesota and kind of preview the final four of each class and and hopefully Grant will give us his prediction on a winner. So welcome to the program today, Grant. Excited to have you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate the invite. You bet. And so obviously this year, Grant was completely different than any season we've really seen, you know, before this. So um, how was it for you as someone that, that covers a lot of games? Were you able to, you know, stream games? Were you able to get out to games? Like what, what was life like in your world this season? Well, it's really been a lot different. I mean, my pattern over the last several years has been to pretty much go to a game every day that there's games. So that's six days a week. And the one thing that really changed was there were no showcases or tournaments this year. And so normally the year kicks off at Thanksgiving with a bunch of tournaments, then Christmas. And it's evolved over the years so that every Saturday, pretty much there's a showcase somewhere where you have six, eight, 10, 12 games going on. And so my pattern has been to, you know, go to Rochester or go to Fairmont or whatever it is for those games and see a bunch of kids all at once. So there were none of that. But what made up for it was the proliferation of games online, which we've never had before. You know, there have been some games online, but I mean, this year, the schools did a really nice job of making that happen. And so rather than being out on the road every night, uh, I some weeks went to three or four games and other weeks went to one game, but I still kept my pattern of watching at least a dozen and sometimes as much as 20. The real benefit of that for the kids was that, you know, normally uh, prospects who are far, far away from the Twin Cities don't get seen very much. 
And this year I was watching games every night from, you know, Cloquet and Cast Lake Bina, Mountain Iron Buell and all these places and, and have found, you know, kids that I've heard the names of and so forth, but found some new faces too. And so that, that's been the positive of it. And I hope that even once we get back to normal, assuming we do get back to normal, that they'll continue to stream because that's been a huge asset primarily for the kids. Yeah, I can imagine. I think you're right. I've heard that from some other people too, Grant, just the ability for people, like you said, to maybe see some other teams or players that they normally wouldn't get to in person. Um, what are what did you hear or what were your thoughts on the masks and the players playing with masks, Grant? I know that was a big talking point. From your vantage point, do you think, and the people that you talked to, do you think that you know, wasn't as big of an issue as people were initially thinking? I think after about a week or 10 days, it was a non-issue. And I, and I thought in the beginning that it was kind of overblown, uh, you know, in terms of what impact it would have. It did take a little while for the kids to get used to. And there are some kids, of course, that have more issues with breathing and so forth than others. And and I suppose it did have an impact. I was really worried about the, the referees. I was worried about these guys that are my age and, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight running up and down that floor. But in any game that I saw, we didn't lose any referees. So that was a good thing. But I think the kids adapted and, you know, the, the other concern was how would they enforce it? And, you know, would they mm -hmm. start handing out technicals? I mean, a couple of years ago, we had this deal with rolling of the shorts and matching headbands and all these silly things related right. to, you know, how they looked. And that was the enforcement of that was awful. It created some terrible situations, embarrassing situations. And it was not good. And I was afraid this would happen with the mask, but it didn't. The referees were kind of like, hey, you know, pull up your mask. And the kids were, most of them had it at least over their uh, mouth area. It wasn't the compliance in the boys from what I saw wasn't quite as good, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, but most of the girls were pretty good about it. It's funny, though, you know, I don't want to talk about politics, but the farther you got away from the city, uh, the less mask compliance that there was. So that's not surprising because that's been <laughs> yep. true in all aspects of this crazy year we've had. For sure. And can, can you uh, maybe give people just uh, a brief insight, Grant, on to where people can find the work that you do and um, the articles and stuff that you put out there? Yeah, so we're part of a company called Prep Network, which started here in Maple Grove uh, as North Star Hoops. And then, it, and then we added North Star Girls Hoops. And then when it went national, they changed it to the Prep Hoops Network. And now they've expanded into football and volleyball and all kinds of things. The two founders, Nick Carroll and Jake Phillips, had a vision, and I don't think it, they ever envisioned it would get this big. But So we're at prepgirlshoops.com, and then uh, a lot of people follow me on, on Twitter as well, all over the country, at, at gmachoops. And, um, and, you know, I think we our, our slogan is where players become prospects, and according to the NCAA, we are a recruiting service. You know, we're officially... Uh, certified NCAA recruiting service, but we have such a huge media component. And um, so we're really the place that you go to find out who the prospects are in Minnesota. And our primary audience are college coaches. And so this year in particular, when they have not been allowed for over a year now to be out in the gym, uh, you know, the value that we provided has gone up significantly because they couldn't be in the gym so the real value of it is if you're a coach from New Hampshire, say, and you're coming here for an AAU tournament on the weekend and you need a center in the 24 class, when you get here, you know who the best centers in the 24 class are before you ever arrive. And you can go look at those six kids in the gym. Before, there was no way to do that. And so 
you know, Nick and Jake had this vision that kids other than, you know, the Paige Beckers of the world could get seen and noticed and get scholarships or opportunities as a result. And that's what it's become. It's become so much bigger than anybody imagined. I mean, I don't know how many states we're in now, 35 or 40. And it's just become this big engine. We have showcases, we have national circuits. I mean, it's just exploded. And I think with what we've seen this last few days with what's happening in women's basketball, we were kind of a precursor to that. And now it's uh, the women's game is about to go to a completely new level. And, and what we're doing is just a part of that. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right, Grant. And thanks to you and so many others that are out there, you know, on a daily basis, um, helping to shine a light on some of these teams and, and players across the state. Um, Cause you know, like we talk about a lot with the boys high school level and top players, there's also not a shortage of top girls players here in the state as well. So, um, and a lot of those players are on display now in the state tournament grant. So let's get into it as we just had the quarterfinals um, for those that don't know, those are at neutral sites um, across the state here. And we'll kind of go class by class here, Grant, and and uh, get your thoughts on, on the final four teams. Now, those games are going to be played um, at Target Center on April 6th and 7th, the semifinals for, for all four classes, with the finals being played at Target Center on Friday, April the 9th. And so let's start with uh, Class 1A first, Grant. Um, we have the final four matchups. We have uh, Belgrade, Brutonel Rosa taking on Sleepy Eye St. Mary's. In one game, um, BBE defeated West Central Area in the quarterfinals, and then Sleepy Eye St. Mary's um, took out Mayor Lutheran. Um, who, who are the players and uh, matchups we want to be looking looking at in that BBE Sleepy Eye St. Mary's game, Grant? Well, Sleepy Eye St. Mary's has the best Class A player in the state, in Madison Mathwitz, and uh, we have her ranked at 15th overall in the 22 class, but. This summer, she's going to go play on the EYBL circuit. And I think once she proves herself against those players, she'll prove she's a top 10 kid. She had 44 points last night in the win over Mayer. I remember the first time I went to see her, I drove to Sleepy Eye in January or February a couple of years ago. It was super icy. It took me about four hours to get to Sleepy Eye Jeez. from St. Paul. It was crazy. And multiple times I thought, why am I doing this? I need to turn around. But I didn't. I went to Sleepy Eye. I got there and Madison scored 50 points that night. And I saw everything that this girl can do. And she already ha is getting uh, Division One offers from mid-majors. But, you know, she's a special talent uh, who can score in a number of ways. She does her best to get others involved as well. And uh, it will be a huge task for BDE to stop her. They're undefeated this year. Nobody has been able to do it so far. And, uh, and it'll be tough for them. The one thing that they have uh, that, that might be a, a factor in this game is they have some size. They got size up front. And uh, their best player is Alyssa Knight, who's a six-foot senior who's going to Moorhead. And uh, so she's pretty solid up front. And they're a veteran squad. They were at the tournament last year. And they are, I think they have seven seniors. And oh, wow. uh, they're, they're a veteran squad who knows how to play together. And so it'll be a good matchup. Teams do all kinds of interesting defensive stuff to try and stop Maddie. Um, but that's, that's going to be kind of the main task right there. Okay, great. And then the second semifinal matchup, Grant, we've got Miniota, um, who I believe finished the regular season ranked number one in the state, um, taking on 
Mountain Iron Buell and Jeff Buffetta up there has had uh, a number of consecutive state appearances with with his squad up there. Um, what's what's the matchup like for that game? Well, these are two veteran squads. You know, Minneota's won it a couple of times. Mountain Iron hasn't won it, but Mountain Iron has missed one tournament in the last 10 years. And I think Minneota has missed two. And, uh, you know, the primary difference is that Minneota has two studs with length and skill and talent. And those kids uh, are dominant and they could play 4A and be starters just about anywhere. And that's the biggest difference. Whereas Mountain Iron's best player is a ninth grader. And then they have a lot of really good role players who play together. So it's an interesting matchup. I mean, Minnesota is a machine. I mean, they, they just have proven it. And if you look at class a, as I wrote in my piece uh, last night and looking at all these uh, matchups, you know, in class A, there's really only about a dozen schools that can win it, you know, overall out of the 140, Mm -hmm. they're at a notch above. And it's not just because they have great players in any given year or two, uh, it's because they're great programs. And both of these coaches really have uh, built something special. You know, Jeff, who also coaches the boys now right. uh, up at Mountain <laughs> Iron, I, I mean, he's a nut. Like, this guy is all in. He's got a court in his backyard. The kids come over all year. They each have to make, I think it's 25,000 shots or something. Uh, uh, and he's got a big tote, tote board up in the back where he tracks all that. And I mean, they'll go anywhere. They'll play anyone. And they play year round. You know, one of the things I love about their culture is how they involve the young girls in town and they get them all buying into being part of that Rangers program right from like second, third grade. And when they come to the summer events where there's no roster limits and it's just, you know, much more loosey goosey, they'll have 20 kids on the bench and some of those kids will be just tiny. And each of them is kind of paired up with a varsity player who's kind of their buddy. And it's just an incredible thing to watch. But they load up that school bus and they hit the road and they'll play anybody. And it's paid off, but it hasn't paid off yet in hoisting the big trophy. And uh, so it'll be an interesting matchup. The The kid for Mountain Iron who's really exciting to us is Jordan Zubich. And I think her brother is a stud player as well on the boys team. But, you know, Jordan is uh, basically 5'11", six-foot freshman, just a very versatile player really good at both ends of the floor, super long, can shoot it from anywhere. I, I, I don't have her percentages in front of me, but her field goal percentage is around 60. And, uh, you know, just a really skilled kid, but a ninth grader. And so, you know, you don't kind of know how that's going to go. They have a really good supporting cast. They shoot it as well as anybody. And uh, and they're certainly capable of winning. But Abby Hennon and Natalie Robiecki of Minnesota are legit. And I wish with those two, that we would have seen them on the AAU circuit because we haven't. They're multi-sport athletes and they're, you know, they just haven't done that. But I, I contend that if we had seen them do that, play with North Harden or the Fury of the Stars or whatever and play against the best kids, they both be top 25 players in their respective classes. We haven't seen that. So they haven't had that level of notoriety. But what we have seen is at the state tournament and they're really good. Yeah, no doubt. And so can you give us your prediction then, Grant, uh, on a winner who you think is going to be hoisting the hardware um, for Class 1A then when it's all said and done? Well, I think Sleepy Eye is going to beat BBE, and I think Minnesota will prevail over Mountain Iron, and I think you have to pick Minnesota to, to win it all. They just have a lot of experience. they got a lot of talent. they got a lot of depth, and their coaching is terrific. 
I'm going to have to give it to the Vikings. There may not be many Vikings wins in football, but I think these Vikings are probably going to get it done. All right. And again, you know, to remind the the audience, Grant, last year we did not crown any state champions. Um, We got as far as, uh, you know, completing the semifinals, but no one got to complete the championship. So we haven't had a winner um, in, in basketball since 2019. So it's, it's been a couple of years since we've had um, a true state champion. So let's move on to 2A now, Grant. Um, the first semifinal matchup has Albany um, taking on Glencoe Silver Lake. And uh, Albany knocked off Pelican Rapids in the quarters. And Glencoe Silver Lake edged Minnehaha Academy. And I believe what was a, a one-point matchup. Um, what can you tell us about that first semifinal game? Well, you know, I think um, the Glencoe Silver Lake Minnehaha game was one of the best games of the year. They, Glencoe was down by 18 in the first half and came back to win. And the Albany Pelican Rapids game was the worst game I've seen all year. Pelican Rapids decided that the best way to beat Albany was to stand still and, and try and slow it down as much as they could. It was an awful basketball game. I think they scored 12 points, three in the second half. But the reason they did what they did is because of Paige Meyer. So Paige is the quarterback uh, at Albany. She's a five-six bulldog, and she has got skill. She's got physicality, toughness, and a huge will to win. And that's why she's going to play at South Dakota State. And she's just really hard to contain. And and I think that will be the challenge for Glencoe Silver Lake. But on the other side, GSL has Maya Monahan, and she's going to Eastern Illinois. She's a top twenty-five kid who's been with the Fury throughout her high school you know, summers, and it just plays at a very, very high level. What we saw in the, uh, in the semifinal was the latest Monaghan sister, and that's Miley, the eighth grader. You know, there's been four of them that I know of. There might have been more before my time, but you've got McKenna plays in Michigan, and you've got uh, Maddie is one of the top players at Drake, and now you've had Maya come along, and here comes Miley, the eighth grader, who showed us a ton uh, in that game. She was a big factor in the comeback. She's got length and a little bit more size than Maya has, can handle the ball, can shoot it. And so, you know, their whole team is built around those two sisters. And then their dad, Jeff Monahan, is the coach. And so, you know, they should call them the Glencoe Silver Lake Monahans because that's what they are. And so it'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, Albany has some size as well. Uh, Maddie Herkenhoff up front uh, is a junior who's a very uh, solid, got a big body and uh plays well inside. I think that's a big edge they would have over Glencoe is that, that size. And then they have a couple of ninth graders who um, really come on and, and uh, are being a factor down the stretch. You know, I didn't see, I only saw Albany once during the regular season. And to be honest with you, I wasn't all that impressed. It was very early, but the team that I saw uh, two nights ago was exceptional. They were very good. You know, Paige Meyer is a stud and, if you can stop her, you've done something special. Nobody's been able to do it this year so far. Yeah, we'll look forward to that one. And then the, the second semifinal matchup, Grant, we have traditional powerhouse New London Spicer and Coach Dreyer, who just keeps rattling off win after win after win. Um, yeah. And they're taking on um, Providence Academy, who's back in the state tournament. And first, uh, you know, I want to get to the quarterfinal matchup. You know, New London beat Lake City and then Providence Academy and probably the biggest quarterfinal matchup um, squeaked one out against Duluth Marshall 
but it was the individual performances, I think, that were highlighted there with Gianna Neepkins from Duluth Marshall going for 67 points in her final game, setting a state scoring record. And then, um, you know, Madison Greenway, a seventh grader, you know, holding her own for Providence Academy. So how, how big was that quarterfinal matchup, Grant? I was incredible. And, you know, before when I wrote my preview before the game, we talked about, you know, here's this senior going to Utah, averaging over 40 points a game. Neepkins has just done it all this year. Uh, she's done it all throughout her career, but this year has been truly exceptional. And then you have the seventh grader come along who has defied all odds this year and, and been phenomenal. And actually, she's only been the second best seventh grader in the state, which really tells you about Minnesota basketball and where we're at. But you know, Madden had 32 points in that game and was phenomenal and more than held her own uh, in, in, you know, what was obviously the biggest game of her life. But what do you say? I mean, 67, unbelievable. And, you know, I saw this 63 point uh, game that McKenna Hofschild had a couple of years ago for prior Lake. The interesting thing about those two incredible performances is both of them lost, which is, yes. I mean, I don't know how you score over 60 and lose, but, you know, you have to give uh, credit to Connor Getz and Providence. They've had a tremendous couple of years and adding Madden to the mix this year really, really uh, pushed them to a new level. Credit also has to go to the Count sisters. Maria is a junior. Grace is a sophomore. They're both six footers up front and they've been very good the last couple of years. But Greenway has made them so much better because she knows where to put the ball and when to put it there. It's just a natural instinct she has, and she has the athleticism to beat defenders one-on-one. -on -one. And so she's really uh, helped the Counts get the most out of what they have. And I think that's, that's their big edge, and that's probably why they were able to, to win the basketball game. Okay. And so they're taking on uh, new London Spicer grant. And so, um, you know, they've been there year after year, like we said. Um, and again, for those that don't know, Madden Greenway is the, the daughter of uh, former Viking linebacker, Chad Greenway, who has uh, some athletic, you know, achievements of his own, <laughs> as well as his wife, Jenny, who they were both athletes at the university of Iowa. So um, let's give us your prediction for the winner then in, in class two, a grant. Well, what can you say? I mean, Mike Dreyer's the winningest coach in Minnesota history. He's up around 950 or something like that. He's been there forever. They don't have a lot of star players, if any, but man, they play well together. And, you know, very much like a Mountain Iron or a Mini Ota, New London Spicer girls basketball is a culture. And they come into that program all the way up. They learn to play a certain way and they are relentless. I mean, they just, they can defend and attack and, you know, they just destroyed Lake City right out of the gate. Lake City has four 1,000-point scorers and a Division One point guard, and they were down 22-3 in the blink of, eye, blink of an eye. And, and so that's what New London can do to you. They've won it. They've been there year after year. They're tough. And, uh, you know, as good as Providence is and as much talent as they have, if you ask me to put a dollar down, uh, I'm never betting against Mike Dreyer. Gotcha. And so who, who would you say is coming out the overall champion then for, for 2A grant? Uh, I'm going to pick New London. I think their level of experience is, uh, you know, gives them a huge edge. The, all the other three teams have star power, but in the end, basketball is a team game. And if you play together and you play with intensity, you're going to come out on top. And that's what New London has done over and over and over again. Sounds great. And then we'll move on to 3A here. 
Um, we've got in the first semifinal, we've got Holy Angels, who's who's been around the block many times for 3A, seems to find themselves in the state tournament quite often against Marshall. Um, Holy Angels took down Grand Rapids in the quarterfinal, and Marshall defeated St. Croix Lutheran. What can you tell us about that first uh, semifinal matchup, Grant? Well, you know, Marshall's a lot like New London Spicer in that, you know, Dan Westby has been there forever and they play kind of a similar fashion. They're very, very physical. Uh, they like to beat you up and they do a very good job of it. But they also have Jordan Hilgeman, who's a top 40 player going to Northern State, could have gone Division One if she wanted to. Uh, and she can explode. She's been a consistent 25 to 35 point scorer throughout her high school career. So you take that defensive prowess along with that one kid who can light it up. Emily Meyer, also a big factor, the senior. Uh, and then you have Holy Angels, which is all about offense. And, you know, they have some firepower. Frankie Vassalero, you're talking about kids of famous people. Well, Frankie is the daughter of Frank and Amelia Vassalero of C, um, WCCO News fame. And uh, Frankie is, you know, we've seen her at the state tournament. We've seen her throughout her high school career. And she's a Division I level player uh, who can score her mid-range jumper. She scores, I don't know how many points a game, by this little turnaround jumper at the top of the lane. And you know it's coming. You know she's going to do it. You know she executes it the same way every time, and nobody can stop it. And, you know, she's been up against big kids, quick kids, athletic kids, and nobody can stop it. And now you have Cassie Karen, the junior, uh, who's committed to Missouri Western, and another experienced player whose game has really come together now. She's a six-foot guard. Uh, she scored 30 in the opener and, and is more than capable of lighting up the scoreboard as well. And so they just have a lot of pieces that can produce points. Can they defend when the game is on the line? That's the question mark. They're an excellent team. They execute well. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, Marshall's going to beat you up. And I, I'd have to go with Dan Westby's squad. Sounds good. And then the next semifinal um, that we've got, Grant, Hill Murray taking on Becker. I believe Hill Murray finished the, the season ranked number one in, in class 3A. So we've got those two teams. Um, Hill Murray knocked off Austin in the quarterfinal and, and Becker took care of Alexandria. Um, what can you tell us about that game? Well, that's kind of a similar matchup where you have, you know, Hill Murray is a veteran defensive team. You know, uh, uh, Aaron Herman has been coaching there forever, 500 wins worth, and her teams play tough. They play physical as well. The difference between them and Marshall, for example, though, is they have uh, multiple kids that can put the ball in the basket. And senior Lily Mackley, who's going to Dakota State, she scored 27 uh, against Austin and uh, is a tremendous two-way player as well. They have Ella Runyon, who's a sophomore, one of the best athletes in girls basketball. She's a multi-sport athlete, so we haven't had her year-round like so many of the other kids. And then they have Bella Hartzell who's one of the best three-point shooters in the state. So in addition to, you know, their defensive prowess, um, you know, they, there's no question that they can put the ball in the basket. And I guarantee you one thing, Aaron Herman is never going to be outcoached. But they're up against Becker, and Becker is a machine. Uh, offensively, like if you, if you watch that Alexandria game last night, it was close for a little while, and you start to think, and this is the pattern with Becker, you start to think, oh, maybe tonight's not going to be their night. The shots aren't falling. You know, it wasn't going very well. And all of a sudden you look down, they're up by 20. 
I mean, that's just how they are. Their leader is Julia Bankson. Uh, she's the top 20 player in the state point guard, also going to Eastern Illinois with Maya Monahan. She should be a finalist for Miss Basketball. And, uh, and they have a really strong senior lineup that has played together all year uh, for like 10 years. And so they, they have a tremendous team culture. They move the basketball and they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Probably their second best offensive weapon, um, you know, after Julia has got to be the junior Adeline Kent, who has committed to the University of Tampa. And she is explosive. I mean, this girl, she scored last night on, I don't know how many plays where she just attacked the basket and elevated. She's only about 5'8" maybe five, nine, but she's got like incredible vertical and just great athleticism. You want a Euro step, you want a crossover, you want a spin move. She's going to deliver so she can put up points. And the other kid they have that I still don't think a lot of people appreciate yet what this girl is going to do in her career, but the sophomore Marin Westin, she's ranked fifth in the sophomore class. She hasn't put up a ton of points yet because they have so many veterans. They, and they play eight kids. But Marin is a special talent. She can do things that nobody else in the state can do. Incredibly athletic. I mean, I saw her in an AAU game. She's only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, get a clean block on a 6'4 kid. And she had to go like 10 strides to do it. I mean, this, this kid is an amazing athlete. She shoots it at about 60%, almost 55 from three. And so at wow. any given time, she can light it up. And last year at the state tournament was kind of her coming out party. Uh, nobody really knew what she was all about. And the first game they played against Waconia, I was sitting with a number of Division I coaches, and I had encouraged them all to come and watch her. And, you know, there was a lot of skepticism because they didn't really know this girl. And she was tremendous. I mean, Marin in that game was dominant. And so at, at, at the end of that session, the seven or eight coaches were like, yep, that's a high D1 kid. And then they have inside Megan Gamble, who, you know, isn't the biggest post player. She's only about 5'10". She's going to Concordia St. Paul. She's got a big body, great rebounder, can score. And so they just have a lot of pieces. And, uh, and then they have, you know, three more kids off the bench that are fantastic as well. So, you know, Becker, it's their turn. Like they, they got beat by De La Salle in the final two years ago. They made it to the final last year against De La Salle. Um, they have the best culture of any team in the state and they just do things right. I mean, they, they go about their business the right way. And Dan Baird has built something special and I, I'm not going to lie. I want to see them win the whole thing because they deserve it. They have put in the work for 10 years. So is that who you would see coming out on top then Grant, if, if you had to make a prediction? I think so. I mean, you know, there's no reason why Marshall or Hill Murray couldn't parlay their defense on the right day into a, a into a tournament win as well. And obviously we've seen Holy Angels do it before. Uh, but, you know, Becker has uh, experience now. They have talent and they have more depth than anybody. Their rotation is eight deep. And they can put a, that eighth kid can go on the floor and they don't lose a beat. And so I think the one thing that could curtail them is if they have a poor night shooting. You know, they are a shooting team, and, uh, and if they struggled shooting on a particular night, then, uh, uh, then they might uh, struggle a little bit, but uh, Becker's my pick. All right, and then let's move on to the big class, uh, Class 4A, and the, I think the big question, Grant, is can anyone knock off Hopkins, right? <laughs> um, they haven't lost a game in years. 
Um, they're, they're rolling into the state tournament here. We've got the first semifinal um, with them against Chaska. Um, Hopkins beat Forest Lake in the, in the quarterfinal, and then Chaska um, cruised past previously undefeated Stillwater. Um, what do you see as the key matchups in that first semifinal, Grant? Well, you know, the amazing thing is the entire world is watching Paige Beckers now and seeing what we saw over the last, you know, several years. But the irony is that Hopkins is a better team without her than they were with her. And that's because they're not waiting for her to do something heroic to make it happen. They're doing it themselves. And they have a loaded lineup with a bunch of the top kids in the state. Maya Naji is a 6'4 athletic beast, and she has really blossomed this year and taken her game to a new level. She has more offers from high Division I programs than she can fit in her, in her pocket. Uh, her brother, obviously, is playing in the NBA, and, and so, you know, she has been, is the difference maker. But then you've got Taylor Woodson, a tremendous power forward, and Nunu Agara, the most athletic kid in the state, and Amaya Battle, who's an unbelievable point guard, and on and on it goes. They are not that deep. You know, they, they're really only playing six, seven kids, and so they're not super deep. And, and uh, I think the one potential vulnerability they might have is like Becker. If they have a poor night shooting, that's the only way you could beat them. And even then it's, you know, highly doubtful. But if you look back to the last four or five years, twice they got beat by that scenario. They got beat by Eastview on a night when uh, Raina Suggs made like two buckets on like 25 attempts or something. And they got beat by Elk River when Gabby Hawk and Elk River shot 65% and you know, won this one state that year. And so that's, that's their only vulnerability. Um, they, they haven't played that great the last couple outings because they only played two games in the last month. They took a, co a voluntary COVID break uh, to preserve their you know, healthy status down the stretch and they, they didn't play much. And then they had some games canceled because other teams had COVID. So they've been a little rusty, but you know, when push comes to shove, Hopkins is gonna win. I mean, you'd be a fool to bet against them. Having said that, Chaska has a lot of talent as well. They're a program that, you know, four or five years ago was uh, very mediocre, and every year they got a little bit better. And they ride, you know, really three big dogs. Uh, Mallory Hires, a Minnesota commit, uh, she's a six-one forward slash uh, stretch four, and uh, and you know she's the the engine um, for them. They have a point guard and sophomore. Kennedy Sanders, who I think had 31 in the first game. And, you know, she's a division one player, despite not being very big. And their glue player is Kaylee Van Epps, who sometimes now gets overlooked, but we have her ranked seventh in the senior class, right? So not a player you should overlook. She's a Lehigh commit and she's physical and nasty and she can score and defend. And, you know, that's a, the combination of those three is, is really special. And that's what make chat makes Chaska good. And they have depth as well. You know, they have Kelsey Wilms, who's one of the best on-ball defenders in the state. They got a lot of pieces, but, you know, it's a tough ask. Really, it should have been seated so that Hopkins and Chaska meet in the final. But, right. there's, you know, you know how seating is. I mean, it's always controversial. And mm -hmm. uh, here we are. The game is a semifinal at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And, and, you know, we'll enjoy it for what it's worth. Yeah. And then the second semifinal, Grant, we have... Uh, Rosemount, who pulled off the biggest upset so far in the, in the entire tournament, regardless of any class, taking down Farmington in the quarterfinal. Um, and they're going to match up against Centennial, who knocked off um, Elk River. 
How do how do you uh, see that one? Well, you know, I think the the Rosemount thing is an upset. It's a surprise. People are calling it all of those things. I was not surprised at all. Um, Chris Orr games plans defensively as well as anyone. You know, he he's just the master of beating you into submission, and they executed it perfectly. You know, they had been beat twice by Farmington in the regular season. And those two teams know each other extremely well. They're from the same conference. Conference, It's just that, you know, they executed, Rosemont executed their game plan uh, to a T and shut down arguably the second best team uh, in the state. You know, they have a lot of nice pieces. Uh, You know, they have some Division I talent as well. Ivory Finley, the point guard, is going to Lowell. And uh, Helen Staley, who plays every position for them, is going to Oakland University of the Horizon Conference. And, and so they're nice pieces. Alexa Ratzlaff is a really talented defender. And they have some nice young pieces uh, as well. Nicole O'Neill is a rising star. The sophomore can shoot the three. And, you know, they will be prepared. I'm sure Chris will have watched more film and come up with some kind of strategy uh, for Centennial. But Centennial is kind of the sleeper in this whole thing. You know, uh, James Sobiak's team has executed night after night. They have a consistent group of performers. Up front, Jody Anderson, who's a North Dakota commit, the top 20 kid. And she just plays great every night out. Like, I've not seen Jody have a bad game in the last three years. She's just very consistent. She'll get her 20 points and and be difficult to defend. And inside they have Jenna Geyer, 6'2 post going to Green Bay, 6'2, 6'3. And, you know, she's been a great story, uh, the evolution of her game into a division one player. And she was very good the other night. She's good for 10, 12, 14 rebounds a game. And, uh, and that's tough to deal with. I think the thing where they're the most improved this year is uh, at the point guard position, the junior Camille Cummings has gone from a fringe player to a, a really solid performer who's had a great season. And I, you know, I know Camille well, and she has put in so much work individually to improve her game and improve her game mentally. And that's what's, I think, uh, raised the level for Centennial. And the other kid who's really had an outstanding season is the freshman Marissa Frost, who's a, a, you know, not a big guard, but just incredibly effective in a subtle way and that's kind of what centennial is they're subtle they're they're a team nobody's gonna pick to win and and they haven't been all year they haven't been for the last five years and they've never won the big one they're just solid from top to bottom and they could make it to the finals there's no question about that okay and then who do you have winning it all grand for 4a do you see hopkins coming out on top at the end oh this is so hard to pick man i'm really not (laughs) sure yeah i mean they they're a heavy favorite. They're the number one team in the country. They're the number one team in the state. They got six division one players in their rotation. I didn't even mention Liv McGill, who's a, the number two ranked freshman in the state. Um, they're just really, really good. Tara Starks first year as coach, but she's been a part of that program forever. And, uh, and I think that she's probably going to win her first state championship and Brian Cosgriff who won, seven, eight, I don't know. I lost count. He's probably going to smile proudly somewhere in the distance watching because he built something amazing. And now she has continued to steer that big blue machine in the right direction. Yeah, no doubt. And then the thing I wanted to get into a little bit too, Grant, thanks for running through all those. That was great. Um, is obviously attendance is going to be limited at target center. Um, so what are going to be the options 
for people to watch then are, are all the games going to be on channel 45 um, with the semifinals and finals? What are the viewing opportunities for people that want to watch these games? Yeah, it's my understanding. It'll all be on channel 45 and also available uh, online uh, in their, I don't know what their online platform is called, but it's the same thing. The semifinals uh, or the uh, quarterfinals we had to pay on prep spotlight TV to watch. So it'll be the same as it is every year. The difference is there just won't be 5,000 people in the stands making a whole lot of noise. And it's unfortunate. Like I really feel for the teams that lost in the quarterfinals, you know, great to have the opportunity to be there and that, but it's just not the same. You don't get to go on the bus and get down to Williams arena or target center and experience all of that hoopla, which is a big part of what state is all about especially for the small town teams, that's their holy grail. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel for them having missed out on that. And at least next week, they will get to be in the big arena and they will get some of that, but it won't be quite the same. I mean, 500 people at Target Center is like having, you know, one person standing out in the middle of a football field. It's just empty. And so it won't quite be the same, but the basketball promises to be great. And at least we'll be able to watch uh, on TV. Yep. That's the main thing. They're just hope they're going to get the games in and, and hopefully we'll get that champion at when at the end of the day. So one other thing, Grant, I just wanted to touch on real quick, like we talked about, you know, the think uh, definitely in the state, but possibly around even the whole country, you know, women's and, and female basketball is kind of being shown in a new light and the spotlights and, and are on there and people are taking notice. And a big key to that is, is Paige Becker's, you know, like we mentioned from Hopkins, who just got named um, yesterday as the first freshman ever to win the AP player of the year award um, as someone who covered, you know, her grant coming up and, and growing up here. What are, what are your thoughts on her and just what, you know, she's brought to the, to the, you know, female game. And then now that the country is being able to see her nationwide. Well, I don't think anybody who knows Paige or has watched her come up or had a connection to Hopkins or anything is at all surprised. Uh, I think, you know, she's been headed on this path her whole life and uh, she's a special talent, amazing person, great family. And I, I just feel privileged to have been a part of that. You know, the Beckers family has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, they invited me to come to all of the private workouts when college coaches would come in for so-called open gyms, you know, and uh, and that was a tremendous opportunity to see her up close and, you know, interviewed her a number of times. The first time she played for Team USA, I think she was 16 or 15 and she went to Argentina and at two o'clock in the morning, we're on the phone after the game. She's called me because, you know, to talk about the game. I mean, just an incredible kid and so much pressure on her. She's become such a big thing now, uh, but she's handled it all with grace and class. And, you know, Earlier on in my life, 30 years ago, I was a sports writer in Winnipeg and I covered the Winnipeg Jets uh, on the road at home for uh, several years. And at that time, the dominant player in the National Hockey League was, of course, Wayne Gretzky. And I had a front row seat to that. Winnipeg used to play Edmonton eight times a year. They usually played two exhibitions and they met in the playoffs a lot. And I went to as many practices and, and games as I could and interviewed Wayne many times and just observed. Paige Beckers is Wayne Gretzky. They're the same. They're a small body that people didn't think were going to be great athletes, but they have this vision. They see everything. They see it way before anybody else sees it. And they have the ability to raise their level of play when the moment calls for it. And that's what Paige has always been able to do. And that's what Wayne did. And one of the great things about being, 
you know, a sports writer and broadcaster is you get to see that. And in those days, in the NHL, we were in and out of the locker room all the time. It wasn't press conferences and all that. I traveled on the plane with the team for four years and, you know, it was just different. But so it gave us a window, you know, and I had that same window with Paige. And I think um, I'm not at all surprised. I I remember a game, uh, you know, way back early in her career, I think it was eighth grade. And uh, it was at the breakdown event at the beginning of the season. And there were, there was somebody important and I don't remember who it was a national scout or something had come to the game and he didn't really know who she was. So she wasn't, you know, ranked or anything at that point. And there was some conversation before the game, it became clear that he didn't know who she was and word of that got back to her in the locker room. And she came out bombing and made, I think her first eight shots of the game. I think they were all threes, but my memory's bad. Mm -hmm. And, but the point is she's able to raise her game for a moment like that when required on cue on demand. Incredible. How many people can do that? You know, the Kobe's LeBron's, those kind of people can do that. She's special. And I think this is only the beginning, but beyond the basketball, What's really amazing with what's happening right now is the impact in terms of viewership and social engagement online. And I read yesterday that the the uh, the numbers, the media numbers and the social engagement numbers from the weekend, the women did double what the men did. And, and that's like unprecedented. Yeah. Where I think Paige Beckers and we should also mention Caitlin Clark from Iowa. And I watched mm-hmm. the two of them play many, many times in AAU and they played in high school as well. The, the two of them arriving at this time in a time when women's sports is suddenly getting a lot more attention and the whole controversy over the weight rooms and all that stuff, inequalities at the tournament. I think this is a tipping point. I think this is a tipping point for women's basketball and we're going to see the, the women's game go to a new level. And, you know, we've had a front row seat for Lindsay Whalen and Maya Moore and now we got Paige Beckers and wouldn't it be amazing if three, four years from now, she was wearing the uniform of the Minnesota Lynx. That, that, would, be, that would be something. That would be the ultimate. <laughs> I don't, regardless of what happens, she's probably going to go to Russia and make $2 million a year playing. So it's all going to work out. Right. Right. And I think the other thing that you kind of touched on a little bit, Grant, with Paige is not only is she a phenomenal player, but every time I've been around her, which is not nearly as many times as you, she's a tremendous person and just the way she carries herself. Like one thing I think is... Um, impressive about her is just the way she's able to laugh and not be afraid to go outside of her comfort zone. You know, like you see her doing these TikTok dances with kids when they ask. And um, one night she was at Target Center and we honored her and she took every photo with someone who came up and asked and she signed every autograph, you know, and that's not something she has to do, but she, she knows how much it means to the kids and people that, that want to do that. So that's what I've really been impressed with is just the way you know, she carries herself off the court as well. You know, last year, I believe it was the second Wyzetta Hopkins game, which was a huge deal and a very packed gym. You could barely get in there. And I, I found a seat in the back row and I noticed this family sitting next to me and they clearly were not from Minnesota. They had Southern accents. And so I asked them, you know, who they were, et cetera. They had flown in from Raleigh to watch the game because their daughter, who was about 10 or 11, had uh, fallen in love with Paige Becker's online and they wanted her to experience that. Like this is a high school kid she came to watch. So I thought, well, you know, I need to have, I need this girl to meet Paige. And so uh, I went down after the game and I managed to corral Tara Starks in the hallway. And there were so many people in that hallway waiting to talk to her and take pictures and stuff. I said, Tara, this girl came all the way from North Carolina. Do you think that, 
you know, you could arrange this. And, and so she took that little girl into the locker room to meet Paige. And I understand it was a, it was a very cool little connection that they made, but that's the kind of impact she's had. She's got time for everyone. And the pressure on her the last couple of years has been incredible because she's become this like online media machine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think, uh, we're privileged to have seen it and to be seeing it and to see hopefully uh, into the well into the future, we'll be seeing more of it. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, thanks again, Grant, for running down the games with us for the state tournament coming up next week. And we'll look forward to putting this out there. And I appreciate you giving some in-depth analysis and, and highlighting some of these great players that people will be watching. So really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And it's a great opportunity as well for the girls to, you know, get the notoriety that they deserve. It's a great product and uh, people need to check it out themselves. You bet. All right. Thanks, Grant. <laughs>